Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your DFS preview for this week's Tour Championship. And joining me to break it all down, Sia Najad is here. Sia, what up? Rick, does everybody know that you and Eric Patterson jinked Bryson on the 59? Does everybody know that? Because <laughs> now they do. Technically, technically, <laughs> that true. really cost him the tournament because it got him into the playoffs. So everybody who had outright tickets, uh, send hate mail too at Rick Run. Good. Yeah, we were uh, kind of live chatting through that as it was going on. We were firing up to record a podcast, and I said, "Eric, do you realize that Bryson's got a putt for fifty nine right now?" And we kind of walked through it together. Greg Ducharme also here. Greg, I did not jinx Bryson, and uh, unfortunately, you know, I I also had a Bryson outright ticket last week. So you know, listen. Send your hate mail somewhere else. I don't want to hear it right now. <laughs> well, I, I won't send any of that. I'm I'm just glad you didn't play him in one and done, because uh, that could have got things could have gotten ugly it's if close. you did that. I could have too, albeit. I mean, all, all things being equal, I could have played him too, um, and I chose not to. So, look, no hate mail here. It's all love, all love here on the first cut. All love on the first cut, all love for the tour championship, because this is along with maybe the match play, Sia, uh, one of the more unique DFS events. This is the only time that we get golfers starting with fantasy points, and there's kind of a lot to unwrap. I actually think DraftKings did a better job at the pricing this time around than they have for the first two editions of this. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it, it still makes lineup construction pretty hard if if you want to kind of use guys at, at the top that are in that minus 10, you know, <clears throat> minus eight, minus seven, minus six range. So roster construction is going to be really, really interesting this week. And Greg, there's also one of these weird situations where we don't get uh not necessarily the golfer's mentality aligns normally, right? You know, there's going to be a chaser's mentality from the very start for some of these guys. There's going to be the burden of being out in front for Patrick Cantlay from his first tee shot on Thursday. These are things that we normally talk about after each and every round, but here we are talking about it on a Monday for an event that doesn't start for three more days. Right. It's something we we talked about on Sunday. We, I mean, we yeah. talked about it yesterday. On two different occasions. So you're absolutely right. There is definitely a, a burden on Patrick Cantlay. And I, it, it would be really impressive if his demeanor didn't, if his mindset didn't change. It's one thing to say, okay, I'm going to pretend that we're all even. Right. And I'm going to focus on playing the very best that I can. But, you know, every time you look up at that leaderboard, you see yourself on top. That's going to have an effect one way or another. So um, I think as well with you guys, this is very interesting. Lineup construction is fascinating. And starting strokes I is is very. Maybe. Maybe we lost him. Maybe he'll come back. So May- what, what do we, how, how do we think he was going to finish that sentence? I don't know. Starting Something strokes. about starting strokes. <laughs> There's a lot to unravel <laughs> with the starting strokes. Here's what we'll do. Uh, let's just throw up the cheat sheet here. This is on rickrungood.com. This is my website. This is what I'll use to show you all the tools here because here's the pricing and it's wonky. Normally we start over 10,000. I'm going to probably start us over 11,000 here, Sia, because Patrick Cantlay, who enters the week in the number one spot starting at 10 under par is 13. 
4,400. John Rahm is 13,000. Bryson DeChambeau, 12,300. Those three golfers alone, those are prices we have not seen um, in years. Pricing used to be more like this on DraftKings, but we don't usually see that outside of the Tour Championship now. And then if you scroll all the way down, see a $5,000 for Eric Van Royen. That is much cheaper than we normally see with $6,000 usually being the min price. So a, a wider range of salaries this week. Only there's technically DraftKings opened up with 29 golfers. They did not include Patrick Reed in the player pool. I have not heard anything about Patrick Reed, but he is not on DraftKings, at least when they initially released salaries. Yeah, but he is he is going to play, right? That's what I heard. I have not heard otherwise. Greg, have you heard otherwise? Uh, He's not going to play in your DraftKings lineup. I mean, I, I don't know what's going on with that either. I was looking around today um, and I thought that he was out and he was healthy and he was going to do everything he could to play. Typically, they'll put they'll put a player in there and they're more like they'll just put an O next to his name if he's going to be out. So I don't understand why he's not in at all, because there there's no chance anybody else gets in. So I was a little um, I was definitely scratching my head on that one. They could still add him like they do for the Monday qualifiers, but you're right. We knew who was in the field. I I, I don't I don't know. I don't know what happened here. Where would he but, get priced if he did get added in? So would, he's would he starting be? he's starting at even. So yeah. he'd probably be the most expensive of the evens. So somewhere between fifty eight hundred, he'd probably be fifty nine hundred. Fifty eight yeah. and six. Yeah. Probably yeah. fifty nine hundred. I think that'd be fair. Um so see what I was getting at before I got sidetracked is you're going to have 20% of the field in every single lineup that you make, right? Mm-hmm. Six of basically 30 would be 20%. Um, how does that impact ownership? Because I imagine there are going to be guys in this field that are 30, 40, 50% owned. Yeah, it almost makes you want to just go pure game theory and just even without ownership percentage, just like for purposes of today, thinking of the guys who really just aren't going to be rostered. I mean, you you can do that and then take the guy who you think is going to win, like a John Rahm, and then you take, you know, whichever guys you want that maybe have good course history, but also will probably have low ownership. I think that might be my approach to a lot of my like single entry lineups. But yeah, I mean, it definitely... It's funny though. I mean, golf is so volatile, right? So we have Patrick Cantley who gained 14.58 strokes putting last week. And it's kind of one of those things where, and by the way, he only gained, you know, he was minus 27. He only gained two strokes ball striking. It's just kind of incredible. But my, my point in bringing that up is I, I know we talked about it yesterday on the first look, like those guys towards the top are really going to be at a huge advantage, but I don't really have a huge problem you know, fading, fully fading some of these guys at the top that I just don't believe are going to actually win the tournament. Patrick Gantley, 13,400, John Rahm, 13,000, Bryson, 12,3. I mentioned those. Then you go down to Finau at 11,800 and Justin Thomas at 11,000. Greg, let's start with those five. Um, all of them are, well, I shouldn't say that because Justin Thomas is starting at, at four under par, Cantley at 10 under, Rom at six under, Finau at eight under, Bryson at seven under. How do you assess the eleven thousand dollar and above range? Um, I I don't necessarily disagree with Sia on this. Where I think it's okay to fade these guys because, well, like I was saying before, I I cut out there. Um, I, I was saying that the strokes are a little bit flimsy, and it is very easy to get attached to them. So I'm I'm trying to look at each range in a way where who would play the best if it were level. I understand that it's not, and that's a factor, but instead of making that the first factor, I want to make that the last factor. Mm-hmm. Um, so I look at a guy like Tony Finau and I see that Tony Finau um, on Sunday at the BMW was sixth in strokes gain approach the green. He was sixth for the week in strokes game putting. He was first on Sunday in strokes game putting. He won at the Northern trust. It's clear that he's turning a corner. And I, I look at a Tony Fina who's starting at now, now you can address it. Well, he's starting at eight under, so he's clearly got a chance. He's clearly in the mix and he's uh, in this range rather cheap, right? He's cheaper than Bryson. He's cheaper than Rom, uh, and obviously cheaper than Cantlay as well. And I don't think there's too many strokes for him to overcome. 
So he's the first guy that I really am, am looking at and um, kind of licking my chops over. I, I've still some questions about Justin Thomas. I don't think have been answered. Bryson's form here hasn't been great in the past. Um, it, it's a little bit of a hilly golf course. I'm, I, I, I'm not saying Bryson can't perform well here, but uh, I, I don't know that it's the best course fit for him. And then Patrick Cantlay, how often are you going to perform on the greens like that two weeks in a row, um, different surfaces, all that add in the pressure. I'm not sure. He's, so Tony Fina is really the guy I've got circled twice in this range. Yeah. So let me run through a couple of nuggets here. So Finau, uh, if no one has noticed, he kind of, he switched that putting grip. He, he got away from that really awkward. I don't even know what you want to call it. And basically since then, Shocker, he's been rolling the rock much better. He's gained at least a roundup, four strokes putting in three of his last four events. That's a really good sign for me. You mentioned the Bryson DeChambeau struggles at Eastlake. He's made three trips on average in those 12 rounds. He's a loser, just below 0.14 in the negative. He's had issues on the green some years. He's had issues on approach and others. Always seems to drive the ball well, but has not put it all together. So, Sia, when you're looking at this $11,000 range and above, these five golfers that uh, represent kind of the cream of the crop, the most likely guys to be at the top of the leaderboard when this is all said and done, what do you see? Yeah, John Rahm is the guy that I, I think is probably going to win this tournament. So I think that's where I'm, I'm a little focused on. I'd love to see where the ownership percentages fall, because if he's going to be really popular, I don't mind going with Greg and just dropping off Rahm and, and playing Tony Finau. So at the top, I think I like Rahm and Finau the, the most. JT is is really interesting, but I was just really discouraged with what I saw Um in, in a couple of the rounds with the putter. I mean, it was just awful. That's the JT experience being discouraged by the putter. That's that's <laughs> yeah. exactly what it is. That is. That is. Welcome <laughs> to the club. It's that's true. How it works. I mean, you know, Thursday, it was just even worse than I, than I could have imagined. It just seemed like he forgot how to putt. And it was, that's really super discouraging. Do you know the last time John Rahm has lost strokes off the tee? I'm going to guess it's oh. the last time. I, I would guess... Uh, it's got to be, I, I would guess it's over a year ago. It is. The last time was the tour championship in 2019. So yes, basically since the start <laughs> two years of, ago, two years ago, since the start of 2020, not a single week did he lose strokes off the tee? Not only is that great, it's obviously consistent. It gives him this really great floor and the rest of his game he has figured out as well. Uh, to me, yes, John Rahm is uh, a very likely winner of this event. You know, he's got to make up ground. He's got to make up four strokes over four days to kind of get back into this. We have seen that um, evaporate quickly on the PGA Tour in, in much shorter than four days. Uh, and, and he is absolutely dialed in right now. So, okay. So we seem to be pretty high on ROM. Are we just not, are we just not paying Sia? Like paying for Cantlay? Is that not, is that not a good option? Again, it's only a good option to me if, you know, I don't mind that he gained all those, all those uh, strokes putting because I know he can be a really good ball striker. But if if he's going to be really unpopular, if people are, are going to shy away from using him, I'm happy to play the guy who's leading the tournament right now. By the way, Patrick Cantley's leading the tournament right now. But also, I, I don't. If, if he has any ownership, I'd, I'd rather go to the guys that I think are stronger golfers. And also, Greg, outside of um, this five weeks, Players Championship to the Wells Fargo, outside of that. He's been one of the best players on tour this season. Like he's been absolutely phenomenal. Now I do not think yeah. he is going to have uh, another week like he did with the putter because that was the best week we've ever seen. Literally, I'm not exaggerating. Uh, so I don't think that's happening. But should we be putting more respect on the name of Patrick Cantlay? Well, uh, Sia mentioned he's a really good ball striker, right? And and he's one of the most steady players. I, I wouldn't consider him necessarily an elite upper echelon player in any one category but he's as well-rounded as it comes he i mean he's seventh around the green he's 27th putting these are for the year 29th approaching the green 14th off the tee he gains everywhere uh, and he's and he's simply steady i think that could be i think that could be a real big advantage this week um 
I, I just don't know if I want to pay that price. I don't know if coming off of a win, if he's that likely to win again. And at that price, I feel like you kind of got to have the winner. Um, and I don't know if he's going to win. I mean, if you were to shorten this event, how likely would you say it is that Patrick Cantlay wins this tournament? And if it, if this were Saturday night or Friday night, not, I, I don't think we'd be as high on, it, but for some reason uh, we look at these starting strokes on Monday and our eyes are wide open. Oh, well, Cantlay, Cantlay's going to win because he's at 10, but that doesn't happen very often, right? If this were Thursday night, I don't know if we'd be looking at Cantlay uh, as as the winner. So I, I'm more likely to fade Cantlay than um, than anything else. But he's a great player. This is my big concern right here about Patrick Cantlay. Sia. his history at East Lake is really ugly. I mean, he is he has lost six strokes putting in two of his three trips to East Lake. He's lost off the tee in his last two trips. I I, I mean, this is. I mean, I, I could look this up, but we we are talking about th- him being on the greens of East Lake is probably the worst place for him, seemingly statistically. Yeah, and when you're re- and we, when you've just relied on the greens almost exclusively in the tournament that you just won, it doesn't. It's certainly not a good recipe. So again, for me, and and, and I love the point that Greg just brought up when it comes to yeah, if it's. Friday night and round one was just completed and Patrick Cantley is up there at minus 10. He's two strokes, you know, in, in the lead, you know, what, what are his odds that what are they? I don't even know, but what the reality is with this chase group, they're not very good. If the chase group was like Hudson Swafford and, you know, Ryan Palmer, it'd be a different story, but the chase group is Tony Finau, you know, Bryson, John Rahm. So I, I don't think it's one thing to take the starting strokes in into consideration. It's another thing to take them into consideration relative to the four guys that are that are chasing Patrick Cantlay. Because to me, it's almost a wash. Minus six and minus 10 when you have four days to do it. I, I basically put those guys in the same position. Let's jump down to, I don't know, the next range. We'll just go with these guys. Dustin Johnson, 10,700. Jordan Spieth, 10,400. Cam Smith, 10-1, those three, and I'll lump in the two $9,000 guys in this as well, Abraham Answer and, oh, Rory McIlroy, $9,300, Greg. This is, okay, the, the lack of respect that I tried to say uh, existed with Patrick Cantlay, full respect for Rory McIlroy because he's starting the week at two under par. He is the most expensive player at two under. He's the most expensive player uh, second most expensive player at like three under. He's actually more expensive than a couple of guys who are going to start at four under. I, I mean, this is this is pure respect for a guy who's absolutely dominated East Lake. Yes, uh, he's got two wins. He's got a tied second. He's won this event from five, the five under position before. He clearly likes it. Um, are we buying the fact that he's a little tired? I mean, look, I'm pulling hard for him this week because we, as we did, declared yesterday he's my one and done play this week and rick's going with bryson so you got a five shot lead on me can can he catch bryson I, yeah I, I think he i i do think he can because Eastlake has been so good to him but what we saw last week was a little bit more of the rory that we're used to seeing we saw a guy nearly dominate with the driver right he was second in strokes gain off the tee for the week last week he was second on sunday um, the, the approach play was pretty good, but it wasn't, a, it wasn't great, which is kind of the Rory we've been used to seeing. And he had a pretty good week on the greens. He actually holds some, some putts, but the biggest thing that, and the thing I really liked about Rory last week was he kind of checked three boxes for me. One, he got off to a good start. Um, that will be vital this week at Eastlake, especially coming from two under much more so than, um, if John Rahm goes out and shoots even par. On Thursday, he'll still be in the mix. But Rory's got to close the gap every day. Um, and Thursday is going to be really important. He played really well last Thursday. Um, and and then answering the early mistake. He made a bogey at number one last week on Sunday when a lot of players were making birdie. Most guys were making birdie. I mean, Bryson had a flip bunker shot uh, on the very first hole. Easy birdie. And Rory's making bogey with an eight-footer for par. So that's a 
a, a big mistake that in the past has derailed Rory McIlroy, and it didn't this week. He was able to answer the bell with a really, really nice finish on Sunday. So all signs point toward this being a great week for Rory McIlroy, um, and I do think you're paying for it, but it's a nice fit. It's a really nice fit. I don't think he's going to necessarily win, but I really do think he can make a charge. And this leaderboard could look a lot different Thursday night. Um, and if you play Rory, you'll be really happy about it. Yeah, Rory McIlroy um, has has gained at least three strokes putting in three of his last four. I'm showing his metrics from East Lake dating back to 2012. They're phenomenal. I mean, there is no golfer in this field uh, who has been nearly as good as him. So he's averaging 1.42 strokes gained per round in 28 rounds. Xander Schauffele's better, but only 16 rounds. Scotty Scheffler also better, only four rounds. So by kind of default here, Rory McIlroy is your king of Eastlake. Xander Schauffele, your prince of Eastlake. When you look at the rest of this range, and just to remind you, see it, it's Dustin Johnson, Jordan Spieth, Cam Smith, Abraham Answer, Rory McIlroy. Who else can we grab out of here to start filling out some lineups? Yeah, well, I love Rory, so I'm on board there, and I, I I, uh, my long shot call is that Rory somehow wins the tour championship. And I'm just saying it's my long shot call. I'm I'm just going to want to have it on on record, Rick. Um, Sing it, Sia. Sing it. Rory McIlroy wins the tour championship. Have we decided, Rick, is it hot sauce, by the way, or what? Oh, man. Sure. I mean, yeah. yeah. So what did I say? Anybody at two under? Did I say three under or two under? Three. I think it was three under. Yeah. Three under or worse. Uh, which gives you Rory, gives you Dustin Johnson, gives you Colin Morikawa, Victor Hovland, Brooks Koepka, certainly some, certainly some big names there. Uh, yeah, I don't know if we can't think of anything better by the end of the show. I'll, I'll throw back a shot of hot sauce. Um, the uh, so sorry, see, not to not to derail this. So we're we're all in on Rory McIlroy seemingly, but there's got to be there's got to be someone else. If it's not Rory, who is it? Uh, by the way, you can chase it with Arnold Palmer spiked if you'd like. Uh, nice. we'll, we'll allow that. Uh, so the those. only the only other guy that I think I'm interested in here, and I think it might end up being a decent leverage play off of Rory because Rory, it, it does seem expensive for a minus two guy, but I think a lot of people are going to gravitate to Rory, whereas he's only one shot off of Dustin Johnson, who's 1,400 more. So I don't think DJ mm. is going to have anywhere near the ownership that Rory is because that price gap is so huge relative to a, how they're playing and b the fact that Rory is just one shot back. So I think DJ, who of course also has good history here uh, is a, is a pretty smart play as well. Is that just a, is that too much for one stroke? Do you think that there's something beyond the single stroke or is that just the starting position of like, what, what is that huge? What does that well, difference come from? Well, let's look at it. So, so what could it be? So the, the idea is what it could be is the starting position. So one stroke that go that's advantage. Dustin Johnson, you look at the course history, that's advantage Rory McElroy. If you look at recent form outside of last week at the BMW championship, there's been a lot of question marks about Dustin Johnson. So I give that to Rory McElroy as well. So seemingly Greg, it's because of one shot. I, I agree. It's a pretty big gap for one shot. Yeah. I mean, and and the other, the other thing, sorry, Sia, the other things you mentioned, Rick, are not huge differences. Rory's recent form is not, you know, I'd give him an edge. I agree. I I suppose. Um, but not, not a huge one. And I just saw in the chat, um, Brian says DJ won last year and that's why it's priced that way. Is any, anything to that? I don't think so. I mean, Rory won the year before that. (laughs) Yeah, I just, I I don't know. I just, just, right. If, if they're, if, if they're all, if they're, if they're, if everything is pretty close, um, then, then it is just the one shot driving it. Wouldn't it be? So Sia, is that the contrarian play then to go to pay up for that for DJ? Is that worth it? I think it is the contrarian play because because of the the reasons that you and Rick just sort of spelled out. It's fourteen hundred more. It's only one stroke, and there's a very clear line of demarcation between how Roy McIlroy is playing and how Dustin Johnson is playing. So it doesn't really quote make sense to take DJ unless it's a contrarian play, which I think it will end up being. Now, okay, when we see the percentages, it's still going to be high for DJ, but that's only because there's 29 or 30 players in this tournament. And and by the way, as far as DJ is concerned, yeah, he won it last year, but he also shot 11 under, which is pretty good. So, I mean, it's yeah. it's one of those things. You can win it and shoot eight under. You can win it and shoot 11 under. Like, there's a difference there. So um, he had a nice experience here last year. 
We should have just went through every player in the field. That's what we should have done. We should have just allocated two minutes to every player and went through the whole thing. We're not going to start that now, so don't worry. Uh, before I move us out of this range, we did not spend an ounce of oxygen on Abraham Answer, Cam Smith, or Jordan Spieth, which is somewhat surprising. Um, you know, Answer has been very good for a long time. Get just gets the win a couple of starts ago in Memphis. Cam Smith was in a playoff two weeks ago at the Northern Trust and finished top five at the at the St. Jude event and of course Jordan Spieth is Jordan Spieth so is there is there any room for these guys in our lineups man Camp Smith is quite a value um I mean he had one after the Northern Trust he had one kind of slow week and can I, you I'm, blame him for that he just lost in a playoff by dunking it in the water the week on before a, on Monday right on, on Monday. Monday night that was yeah. late Monday so I, I don't I don't blame Cam Smith for that too much. I'd give Cam Smith the chance too. He's at five under. I, I that's a big advantage to be at the the difference between Cam Smith and say Dustin Johnson is a really really big difference. Yet you save six hundred six hundred dollars, um, and and you get two strokes for Cam Smith on DJ. So I I'd take a flyer on Cam Smith absolutely. Jordan, I don't it doesn't feel right. But there's no, no, I have nothing to say on that beyond just instinct. It just doesn't feel like Jordan. Interesting. What has Jordan Spieth done at Eastlake? Uh, he's been all right. Well, he won here. He won here in 2015. That's the year he won everything. Runner right. up finish in 2013. And then, oh my gosh, this is the first time he's playing in the staggered start version of this, right? Because he had, right. He to didn't qualify. make it in 19. Yeah. Wow. He didn't make it the last two years. Then in 19, this was the year he, wow, that's interesting. But this was the year he was, remember he had the um, like 15 or like 14 starts or the minimum number of starts required. He actually had he like counting one less on, than the, yeah, oh yes, that's right. He was yes, counting yes. on tour championship. He comes in 31st. He doesn't get in. And I mean, nothing ended up happening, but he, but that was really, that was <laughs> no, kind no. of the start of it. He was, he was slapped on the wrist. He had to go make a start somewhere. I forget. I, I don't know if they ever Somewhere. Maybe, maybe the Sony open. It might have been. Yeah, <laughs> might no, have been big in Hawaii. Punishment. Fly yeah. to Hawaii and play that. You match. will go to Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so let's uh, actually. Here's what we're gonna do: the eight thousand dollar range, the seven thousand dollar range, the six thousand dollar range, and oh, by the way, the five thousand dollar range. That is where the value mm. is going to come from in this twenty nine slash thirty man field. We're gonna talk about it. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we're back. Okay, let's go down here, Sia, to 7K to 9K. So this is Xander Shoffley, who I refer to as the Prince of Eastlake, Harris English, Sam Burns, the two youngsters, Morikawa and Hovland, Kepka. Ustazen and Sung JM. That's our tier. There is a lot to unwrap here. There are major champions who are not necessarily playing well. There are guys trending in the right direction. There's young guys. There's old guys. Like this is this is everything here. Hey, let me ask you guys something real quick because I think this is going to apply to this range. But it, it I thought of it when you brought up Cam Smith and Answer um, because I think Answer and Cam Smith are on sort of opposite uh, spectrums when it comes to keeping it in the fairway. Whereas Answer's really good in the ball striking department, at least from an accuracy standpoint, and Cam Smith doesn't necessarily always keep it in the fairway. Is that kind of a point of emphasis for you all uh, at East Lake? It mm. depends. 
it, it depends. Um, if, if it gets really firm and fast, it becomes more important. But then it plays shorter. So I, I think for answer, the firmer and the faster it plays, the more advantageous it is. But at the same time, and this is the interesting part about these two guys, I think firm and fast benefits Cam Smith too because his strength, um, which is his short game, even though he hit it at every flag at the Northern Trust, that that short game comes to life more. It becomes more important. It becomes more of a separator for him when a course gets firmer and faster. So Mm -hmm. I, I think firm and fast benefits both of them, and even though they do it in different ways. So I... I don't know. It seems to be like Eastlake is more of just a pure ball striking play. Maybe it's because there's only 30 guys in the field and most of them are really good ball strikers, but it doesn't seem to have a huge advantage for long hitters. Doesn't seem to have a huge advantage for accurate hitters. Just seems like the best ball strikers get it done. Fair enough. Um, so, uh, you know, and by the way, Rick, I didn't want to interrupt you if you had a take there. Sorry. No, I think that's okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. In this range, starting it with Xander, I mean, listen, he, what was he last year? 15 under. Uh, he's obviously really good here. Um, he's a, <laughs> he's really one, good... he's won here twice. Yeah. He actually won it in 2017 and then won if there was no starting strokes last year, finished T2. And by the way, that's the advantage of watching us on YouTube. There was a huge air quotes that Rick Gaiman put up there. So everybody watches on YouTube too. Uh, Xander, I, I like. Harris English is interesting. I, I think I like him, especially if, if you're talking about ball strikers. He can get hot. Uh, I, I think the only other guy, there's two other guys I think I'd consider in this range. Uh, Victor Hovland, who I was a little disappointed in last week. Uh, I was a little yeah. heavier on him in DFS and it didn't quite work out. And then uh, Louis, and I only bring up Louis because I just wonder what his ownership is going to be. It's been kind of muddled with him, you know, having an injury and then coming back and being kind of, you know, substandard, at least with uh, Louis's expectation. So I think it, depending on ownership, Louis might be a guy I like. Yeah, I find Louis fascinating because we talked about this countless times uh he's having a phenomenal year he's having just an absolutely excellent year but the neck keeps him out of uh you know a couple of events here recently and he plays the bmw championship greg and he didn't look all that great and you start to just worry about louis being louis and you wake up thursday morning and you find out he's flying back home like you just you just never know so i imagine it's going to keep his ownership in check um but I don't know. I think there's some pretty other. I think there's some other good options here that you're not forced to play Louis by any means. No, I don't think so. But I I do see a player who's rounding back into form. I see a player who's got a nice course fit here. Um, so I, I actually like Louis. You see, you see what happens. He comes back um, after missing. What do you, did he miss two? He missed two weeks, I think. Right? Did he miss so the Wyndham? He withdrew from Wyndham, I believe, and then withdrew from and, that, the and Northern, Northern Trust. Trust. Right? So it yeah. was two. I didn't know if he just didn't play Wyndham, but um, anyway, he co- goes out in the first two rounds and shoots seventy one seventy four, which out there was, I mean, it's like shooting eighty. Right? It was bad, but that's kind of getting getting loose. Then in his third round, he shoots sixty four. And then 69. So I like what I like what I see over the weekend there. I like that move that he made. I think that could be a sign of a guy who's kind of getting shaking a little bit of rust off from missing time on injury. And Louis keeps it simple. I don't see his game getting too far away from him. So I I, I think Louis is a really interesting play here. We are gonna start to need to find see uh, the guy who makes a big move. Uh, whoever that golfer is, I think I keep saying this and I should really look this up. I think two years ago it was Ches Reevy who won everybody the money started at like one under or even par and finished like T nine. And that was good enough because you yeah. make a big move. Uh, Mackenzie Hughes might've been that guy last year where he starts again, even par and finishes, you know, T 11 or something Th- that's kind of what we're looking for now in this range so are there some ceiling guys some guys that can be the ones who make those big moves those big leaps up the leaderboard and you're talking about between the seven and nine k range yes yeah, so again just to recap that is uh, yeah because rory's going to make a huge move see <laughs> kepka, that, right? oh, it's obvious yeah kepka louis sungjay uh morikawa burns english xander 
Yeah, I mean, Burns is, a, is an obvious choice. I mean, if you're talking about ceilings and upside, uh, obviously he he is definitely a candidate. I don't think he's particularly safe, but I definitely think he's a candidate to really climb up the leaderboard if he's hot. I think the the other guy I'd go with there is, is a guy I've mentioned. Actually, I, I think both Hovland and Louis um, on this course have a chance to really rise up the leaderboard. And I think once we get down into that next range, there's a couple of guys as well that I think could really make some big impact. We'll get there in just one second, but shout out to Sung Jay, baby, who, hey, he showed us this was coming. Getting better every week off the tee, getting better every week on approach, getting better every week with the flat stick, finally goes out, rolls the rock beautifully, finishes third, and now goes to Bermuda, which is his best surface by far. Sung Jay rolling into Atlanta, which is where he lives, right? That's home. Well, I mean, I think well, he bought a home. He home. Lit lives yeah and the thing i like about rick's air quotes it, it, you can see them on youtube but if you're just listening on audio you can feel them yeah uh, he italicizes them yeah you can which is that. great you can, yeah. <laughs> um, so i think song jay is the well I, I think there are three guys and you guys mentioned them all I, sam burns um, his combination of iron play and putting is just lethal. Uh, and his confidence is really high. And for a guy that's starting at 400 to be at 8,500, I, I think there's a lot of value there. But I, I do expect the ownership to be quite high. Sung Jay, however, um, I, I think he's kind of got the Olympic situation behind him. And now yeah. that's where you're starting to see this build. And there was a pressure that's been released it's yeah. almost like I got all right. I got four years to worry about this still. So let's let's play. Um, and, and and now all of a sudden you see a you see twenty fourth at Wyndham. You see sixteenth at at the Northern Trust. You see third last week. You, you mentioned the iron play starting to improve, and you're starting to see Sungjae be Sungjae. And he's got nothing to lose. He's got nothing to lose at all this week, right? This is just go free yeah. flow and go chase, go get it. Um, and, and you know, he's not tired. You're not worried about fatigue, right? I think that's a big advantage too. He's used to this kind of schedule where a lot of guys are, they're getting burnt out. They're getting worn down. They're ready for a break and their mind is on vacation. And Sungjae, he's going to play, uh, he's going to play a Napa too. So keep on rolling. You know how I know Sam Burns is confident right now? Walks around in public with that mustache. Only a confident <laughs> yeah. guy. Can pull Do you that think off. he's Aaron Rodgers? You you got to be next level secure of yourself. Uh, and I think he is. I like that. That's a good sign for me. Strokes the all yeah. mustache. The, the, the all confidence team would start with Cam Smith and Sam Burns. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it would have to. Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay. That leaves us with the bottom of this player pool. Um, which again, normally would stop at $6,000 goes down to $5,000 this week. And it includes the likes of Scotty Scheffler, Jason Kokrak, Hideki Matsuyama, Corey Connors, and Kevin Na. Those are your $6,000 golfers guys in the $6,000 range. And then the brand new $5,000 range is Daniel Berger, Joaquin Neiman, Sergio Garcia, Stuart Sink, Billy Horschel, Eric Van Royen, and if they add Patrick Reed into this field, my guess is 5,900 is what we'll see from Patrick Reed. So, Greg, um, if you want the guys at the top, if you want the Cantleys and the Roms and all that, you're, you're going to have to probably get one of these guys. So let's let's be a call machine. Let's reach down and grab one. So I want to start with one that I'm a little concerned, but, I, but I, I'm not sure about. And and it's the obvious one. So Eric Van Royen down all the way down there at the bottom, yeah, uh, he's going to have everybody's interest, right? The run that he's made to this position is um, is a beautiful story, and it's a story. It's the story of the playoffs. Uh, it's it's the Cinderella story of the playoffs, anyway. And so I I really admire that, and I love what he's done so far. Um, as far as his ball striking is concerned, leading the way, approaching the green last week. Um, was a, a great sign. The shots that he's hit under the clutch has been a great sign. The question now is: Have has he reached his peak, or is he still hungry? Is he still hungry? Is this just a guy who's really good who has now found a little confidence on tour, and now all of a sudden we're seeing him play the way that he can play, or is this a guy who has just been 
felt like his back's against the wall and he's had to play this way. And now that kind of cools off. So I don't know where that goes. My lean is he's really good and he's just found some confidence on the PGA tour. You look at the golf swing, you look at the shots, he's hit under pressure. Uh, you look at what he's done on the European tour in the past. And I, I think he's a really, really good player who's just getting his foot in on the PGA tour. And I think this past run will go a long way this week and in the years to come. So I, I do like EVR, although I have my questions. And then there's another Let me stop, you there. Let me stop okay, you there on EVR ahead. because yeah. I can back this up with a few metrics. I mean, he's he's scorching. So he basically played himself into the playoffs with the win at the Barracuda. Then he goes on the run with the, the two top seven finishes in a row to make it here. Talk about guys who are playing with house money. And it's in some really good like I like the way he's doing it. So this is obviously a very small sample size, but his last 12 rounds, he's seventh in this field in strokes gain total in his last 12 rounds. Um, he's, he's gaining strokes on approach. He's doing it in the ball striking categories. This is um, much less of a flyer. I, I think he's going to be popular because he's 5,000, but this is a very, very good um, stat profile for a golfer who's very confident and free rolling right now. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm a big fan of that. Again, does he get here and exhale and say, all right, I, I made it here. Like I've, I'm, I've already satisfied my desires for the year. I've checked off this box. Um, and, and, uh, but at the same time, he, he could have said that at the Northern trust, right? He made it to the playoffs and that was a, that was a huge victory and he kept on going. So uh, I, I like the ball striking Rick. I think I'm going to hang around with that. The guy I'm most interested in, I'm watching very closely is Daniel Berger. Yeah. Um, and, and there's a, I think Sia is going to like this. There's a strokes gain narrative. Like, what do you have to play for here with, with Daniel Berger? And that's the Ryder cup position. He's sit, he's sitting at 12th right now with a lot of murmuring. About, well, one Patrick Reed, we'll see if he plays or not. So Patrick Reed's ahead of him. He's captain America. Um, and Mark talks a lot about Tiger's influence on Stricker. So if you're in these circles and you're hearing Reed's going to get selected, it's between you, Webb Simpson, which I don't love that matchup. If I'm, if I'm doing the math as Daniel Berger, um, and I'm what's Steve Stricker going to do. And Webb Simpson's the guy right behind me. That's not a great, it's not a comfortable feeling. So I, he's got to really go out there this week and make sure that there's no choice for Steve Stricker. Tony Finau's already done that. Xander Shoffley's already done that with what he did at the Olympics. Patrick Cantlay did it last week. All these players have gone out there and, and put their stamp, and they've earned their way onto this team. And I love Berger's resume, but it's, it's his turn to say, hey, you have to take me now. So I, I think that narrative could go a long way. And I, I like his game too. I think it suit it should suit a place like Eastlake quite well. So I, that he would be the other guy I'm looking at in this range. Remember when Daniel Berger won at Pebble Beach? That was in yeah. February. Feels like a decade ago. Yeah. Feels like he's played a lot of events since then. Feels like a lot of the PGA Tour season has gone on. He has not lost strokes on approach since then. Or I guess since <laughs> before then since risk management <laughs> yeah. since phoenix so he is i mean he's dialed in he's consistent he has a floor he has a ceiling i i mean i i, I daniel berger to me see it he's the candidate to be the highest owned golfer on the slate and Would that's the big, yeah and that's Ooh. the big that's the big problem right because you only have 30 golfers i think you know conventional wisdom during a normal tournament is well i'll take the 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 low end chalk but i'll just get different elsewhere and you already told us at the at the outset of this show, Rick, that 20% of the field is going to be owned when you make your lineup. Or I should say you're, you're going to have rostered 20% of the field with just six players. So where are you going to get different? You know what I mean? It's not, there's not much opportunity. There's not a 7K range and a 6K range that has you know 30 to 40 golfers. So th that's sort of the problem just from a pure game theory standpoint. If Berg ends up being super popular and if, if EVR, who, by the way, not only was, I think, number one on approach, like you said, Greg, but he was number one tee to green last week, too. Yeah, so he think, was. So people are going to fall in love with the tee to green, the approach numbers, the fact that he's just been killing it the last few tournaments under pressure. And I think that's going to jack their ownership up. I'm talking about EVR and Berger specifically. And I just don't think in this tournament, that's going to be somebody I'm going to be willing to roster. I think that's the main issue there. Just because of ownership. 
in the, in this particular tournament, I think ownership yeah. takes on um, greater importance. It's okay, so fascinating. So, if you're not willing to roster the guys that I teach you up on, who are you willing to roster? So, uh, you know, ownership. We'll see what happens. So I, the the first three guys I'm going to mention, I don't know what their ownership is going to be, but I know it's going to be way lower than than Berger and and maybe EVR, Scotty Scheffler, Jason Kokrak, and Hideki. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think all three of these guys, you know, Scotty and Jason Kokrak last week, they hit it pretty well. They were great on approach off the tee. You know, not they they didn't gain off the tee, but we know they can. We know they can score. We know when Scotty Scheffler in particular gets hot. Um, he can really climb up a leaderboard. As far as Jason Kokrak, remember, we talked about it last week, Rick. He was a train wreck for three tournaments yeah. in a row. Yeah. But, you know, it looks like with the putter and on approach, he really got it back. So, I mean, I think it's it's possible he's trending into the Jason Kokrak that he normally is. And so I think that's a guy who's sort of out of people's consciousness that might have low ownership and you could roster and maybe get some points with. Yeah, he definitely was not as bad. He was in a stretch of golf that was horrendous, gained over three strokes on approach, gained over four with the putter. That's interesting to note because that's the one thing that has unlocked 2021 Jason Kokrak is the putter. And I was wondering if he just, I don't know, maybe he lost it. That's a good sign to see gain strokes on approach. So uh, that is interesting. Okay, Greg. So we've got Scotty Scheffler. We've got uh, Jason Kokrak. Um, the, you know, I I still love this Corey Connors thing. Corey Connors. Yeah, I do too. To just pile up top 20 finishes like it's his job. I mean, I guess it technically is his job, but <laughs> it's, you know, uh, like what would it take for us to get back on Corey Connors? I don't think it should be much, but like the general public has discarded him and forgotten about him. Yeah, it might take. Well, look, first of all, the top 20 doesn't go a long way this week. No. Okay. <laughs> um, we're going to need a little bit better than that. But I, I think if you look at Sia's game theory philosophy here, this could be interesting. If he's going to be a little bit lower owned and if everybody's discarded him, as you mentioned, um, then I think he's a great play. His game fits. This is like we said, pure ball striking at its finest. And a guy like Corey Connors could go a long way. He's starting at one under par um, and he's only 6,200. I think there's a, I think there's a nice value there. I I do. I I think there's a really good split. And, um, and, and you look at where Scotty Scheffler's priced up at 6,800 and even Kepka. I mean, Kepka is one stroke better and he's at 7,800. He's, that's a significant gap. So I kind of feel like there's a little value with um, with the Corey Connors. Um, I, I do feel like that value is there with Hideki Matsuyama as well. But Connors has been a better putter. And I trust Connors on the greens. Not that it's great, but I trust him more than I trust Hideki. Um, and that might go with all 30 players all in the field, including Patrick Reed, you can't even roster. Um, so at this point. So, yeah, I, I think Corey Connors is a great play. Sia, before we get out of here, um, you know, I think that guys like Joaquin Neiman, in theory, have the firepower to move up the leaderboard. We haven't seen him play nearly as well recently. Sergio Garcia is just a very volatile golfer in general. Is there any dart throw that you'd consider down here? I mean, so when you say dart throw, I I think immediately with this tournament, I think ownership. And and so let me just contextualize it like that. The guys that I don't think are going to be owned uh, really much at all, I would say are Kevin Na. I think Joaquin Neiman is is probably up there too. I think Corey Connors is up there and definitely Stuart Sink is up there. So when people are trying to save money with their their roster, they're they're automatically going to pivot to your, your burgers, your EVRs. Um, maybe maybe as high as Hideki, but I don't think they're going to pivot to those guys. So as far as dart throws are concerned, of the ones that I just mentioned, I mean, I don't I don't know. I, it would probably be it would probably be Corey Connors. He'll have more ownership than the other, you know, like the Kevin Nas and the Stuart Sinks. But I think he's probably the best quote dart throw that that we could have down here. Kevin Nas at Eastlake is genuinely horrendous. <laughs> I don't I don't yeah. have another he's losing a stroke and a half per round over 20 rounds. These are the numbers that you see when a guy's played two rounds or four rounds and had a bad run over five years and 20 rounds. He has never lost less than two strokes off the tee. He has I, I mean this is 
If you're watching on YouTube, it's all red. It, it, it's it's shocking. Just a course that doesn't set up well yeah. for him, I guess. No, it doesn't. Well, it's a, like we said, it, it, we've been saying all along on a ball strikers golf course that he's not that. Yeah, and not. and it it is uh, a little bit penal in that way. Where a guy, another guy like a Cam Smith, who's not really a, a pure ball striker, that's not his fingerprint anyway. He still hits it pretty darn good. And so I give him more of a chance. I know the price is not even comparable, but um, but that would be that that would make sense. That would be why. Um, but you you go to like a Stuart Sink, who's another dart throw, Joaquin Neiman, who's a dart. Those guys are great ball strikers. And so I, I think at least if you can get uh, if if you trust, which I do, if you trust Sia's ownership predictions, um, going with guys that fit that category of they're they're not owned very much but they're also great ball strikers is really important so i i would stay away from nah i'm nah nah i I, that was that was solid i do want to point out that joaquin neiman gained uh let's see five and a half strokes ball striking last week so there's something to be said for that you know he he was good off the tee he was great on approach uh and it looks like he was really bad with the putter so if that rebounds he's in really good shape at east lake yeah and he's had a good putting year so I'd like to see, hmm, that's kind of interesting. Neiman's kind of interesting. I'll, I will accept that as... What is he, CS 25th in for the year? 20, uh, 32nd. Yeah. 32nd, yeah. Which in this field, it's he's good. probably like, you know, top whatever. Yes, wow. and, and Rick, to build top on 30. what you were about to say, I, I, uh, Joaquin Neiman is, is my new submission for dark throw. Accept it. Thank we you. accept it. Um, all right, gentlemen. Well, this is going to be interesting. Uh, see, have you started building lineups yet? How's it going? I built a couple lineups and, and yeah. for the record, I, I started sort of on the low, I decided to start on, on the low end and choose guys that I liked, whether it was, you know, strokes gained or course history or, or starting position, picked a few guys that I know I'm going to play. And then I had enough money left over to go right to the top and pick anybody I wanted. And it yeah, turns maybe. out, spoiler alert for the lineup that I already built. It was John Rahm. You leaving He's a lot of money on the table. Pretty good. John Rahm. In the lineup, uh, yeah, he's pretty good. Uh, in the lineup, I uh, that I'm thinking of, I left 1500 on the table. Yes, yes, yeah. Yes. See, that's the thing I found. I, I uh, dabbled with two or three. Look at I, you I, I haven't committed. I was just seeing, like, because I wanted to know going into this, what would it, what does it look like? I think that's really important. Um, and and that's what I found. Like Sia said, you can leave, you can leave a lot of the table if you go that way. So it's mm-hmm. pretty cool. It's going to be interesting. All right. It is going to be interesting. And we'll be back on Tuesday for the mega preview pod. Uh, but for now, let me thank producer Jacob. Does all the hard work behind the scenes. That right there, Sia Najad. You can find him on Twitter at Sia Najad. And that's Greg Ducharme, who you can find at The Real GFD. And you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been The First Cut, and we'll catch you next time.